It is so good to be with you, so good to see you. Uh, we are finishing our series, our journey, through the book of Hebrews today, and I miss it already. I love this book so much, for it elevates the Christ, where we all should have already had him all, uh, way before the book, and yet we all have to be reminded to elevate him where he belongs, where he has every right to be. We started with chapter 13 last week, and we're taking some of the verses out of order because we wanted to set them up last week. I want to let you look at these verses. Uh, chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Now, we don't know the specific situation that the writer of Hebrews was trying to address. And that's a good reminder that when you read the Bible, you're reading somebody else's mail. It was written for us, but it was not written to us. It was written to people in a place and a time, in a cultural context, with a very unique set of circumstances, as every culture has a unique set of circumstances, and some commonalities to the common time. It is always best not to look with our eyes backwards at Scripture, but rather to enter the world of Scripture and look this direction and see how we carry it through. The, the NIV adds a word here, the word foods. It's a gloss. It's an added word to try to make the sentence more meaningful or meaningful at all to us. And it's, it's really a, a legitimate ad. It's probably the right thing to do here. Regardless, it seems that some people believed that they had to eat certain foods in a certain way to be acceptable to God. Before we even hit that, though, not on the notes, but I'll get back to them eventually, promise, kind of, maybe, who knows. The, um, it starts, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Oh, what an easy passage to take out of context. I've seen it taken, uh, I've, I've seen people preach against doing away with songbooks and going to a projector. Oh, no, Jesus is always the same. Well, he didn't have a songbook either. You know, uh, he, had, he had a song scroll, fair enough, the Psalms. You know, let us all spin to Psalm 27 or something like that, right? Um, it, and yet they didn't all have their own copies either, so that's problematic. He didn't have a church building, didn't have a lot of stuff we have. That's not what it's talking about. It's saying anything which would remove Jesus from where he is, and that would then change who Jesus is. And you can buy books anywhere. Let's say that Jesus was some Aquarian prophet, uh, somewhat like a wandering llama through the, the Himalayas. Or you can find late books trying to do the same, like the Gospel of Thomas, which is not by Thomas, and it's not a gospel. And it says these are the collected sayings of Jesus, and they're about as clear as Nostradamus after a third bottle of wine that he had, not me. He had, not me. The whole purpose I'm trying to say here is Jesus needs to be Jesus. Don't let anybody change Jesus. That's the important thing that's being said here. 
and about that food thing and eating the correct way in the right way throughout the whole centuries we have never ceased to hear people say you need Jesus and it never changes what happens after the end changes but you need Jesus you believe in Jesus well that's good but that's not going to get you too far you have to have this over here as well it could be precision worship you have to worship in exactly the right way and all I can still remember the day we were visit we were in America for some reason um, and actually we were right up the road at a church which I won't name and I won't tell you later either because that's not the point I was shocked I was I was probably nine or so and I'm sitting there and they had communion bread things and up to here and I was going wow how what a, they have churches this big it is fantastic sometime during a prayer it fell over which made going to church worthwhile for me that day uh, frankly that was well there I've now seen something new but I was we were also all terrified our, our it's on the floor what do you do now it's not one of the five acts of worship to vacuum we've got to find a way to reconstruct all of this we were rattled whereas if you're in a house and you have an esteemed uh, guest who loves you dearly and a kid drops something what do they do they smile and they say oh stuff like that happens we were terrified Jesus laughed we have got to get past that precision worship idea and I think we are I think fourth has and or, and is continuing to do so or Jesus and precision theology you gotta know it all right no, I, no you don't learn it good theology is a fine thing study but remember Jesus trumps everything you're about to study and who he is trumps everything you're about to study keep Jesus there anything you do that is a Jesus and is wrong sometimes even behavior Jesus and don't you be growing your hair out long man don't you be cutting your short ladies because we can misunderstand and misapply first Corinthians all over you don't do that <laughs> just don't do it or I, we were told if you wore shorts well that was it it was like God made knees but doesn't want to ever see him again <laughs> let's not be doing that in public and he said he made man said this is good he didn't mean all your bits so just you know cover or um, swimming we were never told it was swimming we were told it was mixed bathing whole different concept in my head but swimming uh, no in fact my dad whenever he found out our little girl was learning to swim he said to her Christians don't swim I looked at him and I said they do <laughs> you might think that means they're not Christian anymore or not but the fact is I've seen it it happens that was not a fun day or year <laughs> Christians don't play cards we were told we couldn't there was a new game came out when I was uh, I think I was a teenager at the time called Rook and oh it took over because Christians could finally play cards and 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 it was exciting my dad wouldn't let us play because he said somebody could be walking by the window and see you playing cards down there and think you're betting and playing poker and I'm going we have curtains <laughs> I'm, I'm there exists a possibility that I wasn't the easiest kid to raise 
I'm very proud to say I've passed this on to my grandsons. Look at what God says about this sort of thing in Colossians chapter 2. Underline this, most Christians don't know this is in the Bible. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why? As though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based merely on human commands and teaching. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. There's a big movement now that says we need to eat more vegetable products and less meat. Could be, could be. That's, I, I get it, I do. And so they've come with this process. They have quite a few processes that now that can change vegetables into something they claim you can't tell from a burger or a steak. And I'm thinking, we already have one of those, it, it, a cow. It eats vegetables and magic turns them into to delights you can find at any Five Guys. This is, and if you've not been to Five Guys, are you really a Christian? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> That's all I'm asking, because if you eat the fries, they taste like glory, and you will enter it sooner. But I'll, I am ready to see my Lord. <clears throat> but that whole concept of, you can't do that, you can't laugh in church, really? This is a building, you are the church. If you're not laughing out there somewhere, you've not gotten the whole idea of the gospel. We're saved. We're saved. Do you remember the oat bran phase? Some of us do. You can tell me all you want to do about having to go to Vietnam, but the rest of us had to go through the oat bran stage. It was pretty terrible, too. And I, that is supposed to be borderline humorous, but work with me. I, every, oat bran was in everything. And I kept thinking, it can't be in everything. It can't cure everything. And now it's all going. Why? Because it didn't. So we go on to the next thing and the next thing. And you will find people making rules. If you want to find violations of Colossians, go to Twitter. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to eat this. What do you think? Thought crimes abound. Paul said earlier in that chapter that those who place these rules on themselves have lost contact with Jesus. They've lost contact with their head, he says which is Jesus. Wow. That's pretty damning stuff. Watch out for the rules. The most egregious example of this I ever saw came from one of our tribe. We were uh, at that time living in Ohio. We'd come from Scotland, lived in Ohio uh, several years until we found out we were free to go. But we were, we were there and there was a church nearby that I really wish I could say the name of the street it was on. I'm looking over at my wife, I shouldn't, because who knows who's listening. Because the name of the street was all full of love and light, and that church wasn't uh, at all. It, it published a paper every month attacking other people in the Churches of Christ. And it actually did a whole issue on why Christians can't celebrate Easter. And of course, they can't swim either, but, you know, 
why we can't celebrate Easter. And it, it has pagan origins and all this other. And then as it wrapped up, it says, as scripture says, touch, touch not, taste not, handle not. Oh my goodness. I don't normally get angry, but I, I caught on fire. I, I, I was not Christian in my thoughts for quite a while. Because they had ripped verses out of Colossians that say those are human rules that have no value in the spiritual and slapped it at the end of an article acting as if God was saying this to us. How demonic do you have to be? Friends, Jesus said the same thing. Look at Matthew. Two passages here. Uh, first one is kind of unique. The second one is actually a quotation from Isaiah 29. God's been thinking about this a long time. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to see to win a single convert. And when you succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Oh, Jesus wasn't being very Christian. Seriously. I get people say, well, that wasn't very nice. And I'll say, show me where Jesus told me to be. And we'll go from there. Sometimes you have to be blunt, and he was. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Boom. Jesus didn't have a mic, but he could have dropped it at that point had he decided to have one. That's amazing. And Isaiah 29, God's been saying this a very long time. This is a consistent theme in the New Testament. Take a look at this out of Acts 15, verse 19. It is my judgment, therefore, and if we could leave this uh, screen up for a little bit, please. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Some of the versions will say we shouldn't make it harder than it has to be. Now, I want you to, re I want you to understand back behind this. This was the first elders meeting and the only elders meeting ever shown in the New Testament. The elders gathered at the home church, the mother church of Jerusalem. We don't discuss that. We usually run around going, la, la, la. but they, had, they all came to the mother church. And there were the, uh, the elders and, and, and the leaders of the churches to discuss these huge issues. How much of the old law do the Gentiles have to celebrate plus Jesus to be saved? And the elders said, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you beyond these things. And lays it out saying, don't act like pagans and don't be, don't be sleeping around. It's really all it said. Didn't answer the big doctrinal questions because you already have Jesus, that's enough. Go home. Don't make it harder than it has to be. Hebrews 13, verse 11 and forward. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place is a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp. Leave where you've settled, he's saying. All of the things you say, but I don't want to leave this behind when I follow Jesus. Leave it. Walk on. Bearing the disgrace he bore for here, we do not have, underline this in your head, here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. I'm a poor, wayfaring stranger. 
It's hard for us to be the foreigner, is it not? I've lived all my life doing that one place or the other. I don't belong in any country at all, according to many different authorities. And I'm fine with this. I'm fine with, with being a traveler. I know how hard this is for some. Some of Cammy's relatives uh, were born and raised in Texas and have no desire to ever leave the confines of that state. And you can even say, oh, uh, Jesus, by the way, is going to be talking two miles across the border. And they're going to go, well, if he's not coming to Texas, how important could it be? You know, and it's, they, they are so locked in there. And I'm, it sounds like I'm picking on them, but all they're doing is what we all tend to do. It might not be a territory, but it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a political thing. It's a tradition thing. It's a religious thing. Whatever it is, we're, we'll go see Jesus if we can take this with us. Um, no, no, we're travelers. You know, one of my, they, I'm so happy they sang that song. It's one of my favorite songs, that poor wayfaring stranger. And in fact, there's, an, there's a big book, it's expensive if you want to buy it, um, that is written about the way music traveled from Scotland and Ireland through the Appalachians and then became the music that you listen to today and to some extent and it's, the, it's called Poor Wayfaring Stranger. And it's amazing to trace it as it comes across. That song was all about, I'm on the road, I'm, in the, I'm on the move. Don't get too attached along the way. Don't get too attached to you, yourself either, because you're not going to be here that long. No, no need to take yourself that seriously then. Your city, your state, your nation. Last night after my grandson played a soccer game, all of us went over to... Uh, Moe's Barbecue just up the road, wherever that is from here, that way. I don't pay attention. Uh, that's why God made GPS on, the, on this eighth day, John. Um, anyway, so we went there. And they were showing the, the Alabama game all around. You know, Alabama evidently played a team, didn't show up because pff, never seen triple digits. It, it was amazing. Um, and one of, my, one of my grandsons looked up and says, Granddad, that guy doesn't have a shirt on and he's wearing a tutu. Uh, and then he goes, that guy, that guy's got red all over himself. I'm going, yeah. He said, why? I said, we don't know. <laughs> it's an eternal mystery. Scientists are on it, buddy. It's right after Alzheimer's. That's it. That's it. That's next in the queue. It's all right to have some tribal fun. But remember this. This is a little hard to say, but needs as he said. We will never create a Christian nation by electing the right people. Jesus never asked us to do that. Neither did Paul. Instead of electing the right people, be the right people. Wherever you are and whatever goes on around you, do not ask for government to step in and do what we Christians are ordered to do. And do not think because they do it, we don't have to. No. We share, we give, we walk with others along the way, and we cross Jordan. That's our job. We're not going to get there by elections. We will get there by being. I'm not telling you not to vote. I'm just saying don't get your hopes up. It's, uh, but it's working great for you. It really is. Um, Live through a dozen presidents, one queen. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to do something here, which is very, 
um, it's almost self selfish and self-centered. And if it comes across that way, I apologize, but at least I know it going in. There was um, a poet named Rudyard Kipling who you would probably only know him from the Jungle Book, a short story he wrote which has spun many versions. He also wrote one called Kim, which is rather similar. Uh, he, he wrote one of the most touching uh, poems I've ever read in my life called Gunga Den. It's actually pronounced Gunga Deen, but it's D-I-N, and so people call it uh, Gunga Den. It's just an amazing, and if those of you back in the 60s and 70s who are real big fans of Jim Croce, he actually wrote a song and performed it, never changed a word to Gunga Den. It is staggering, so well done. That said, he wrote a poem called If, in order of a man, or rather in honor of a man you do not know. Leander Starr Jameson, I wish you did know him. He was born in Scotland and became a physician. A lot of people did. A lot of people were, a lot of people did. But Leander Starr, Dr. Starr was known for treating anybody, pay or not, of all classes of people. And in Britain, that was hugely important. And I'm sorry to say it kind of still is. But he could not care about class or about wealth. He was a steady man. And, and the European politics of the day, and especially Scotland and England, politics was driving people into the streets with pitchforks and torches, and you'd better be on the right side of this issue and the other. And Mr. Starr, we call doctors Mr., and we call surgeons doctor. It doesn't make sense. Um, Mr. Starr refused to join any political movement. And because of that, he, sto he stood out like a sore thumb, or I would say a lower light, that people could see. People tried to push him to, because he was known as such a man of great integrity into this cause or that cause and he just wouldn't go. He was too busy doing good. When he became ill uh, with lung issues, they did not understand tuberculosis and the like back then. I don't know that it was tuberculosis, but whatever it was, they said you've got to get to a warmer climate. So he went to South Africa where he was the only doctor who treated both black and white, this is the 1800s, and showed equal respect to all, and would make house calls no matter where you were, no matter what color you were. In the first and only time I know of in history, up to the modern time, where things changed, he was made a Zulu by the Zulu chief, unheard of because of his love for and treatment of any of the natives who he found who needed him. Whenever the Dutch uh, authorities that ruled South Africa, um, Boer is their name, B-O-E-R is the name of that government. When the Boer War, uh, later on that's who these people were, they instituted slavery. He, Leander Starr, joined a movement at the instigation of some British spies and high officials who had whispered to him, we need you to do this, to lead a movement to march in and take the weapons away from this armory. He did. He was unarmed, as were most of the people. They were shot upon, captured. The very British politicians that, that encouraged him to do it tipped off the Boers. Politics is dirty wherever you go. 
he was sent back to Britain and put on trial for treason. And he was sentenced to prison where he went. All reports of the trial state, he never complained. He never sat very calmly during the entire proceedings. He never said, that politician right there, because he was in the room, is the one who told me to do this. He never, ever did. He kept his own counsel. Rudyard Kipling covered that as a journalist, that trial, and was so stunned. He wrote a poem to his sons, asking them to be like Dr. Leander Starr Jameson. It's called If. This is what I use to raise my son, who is my hero today. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you and make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting. Or being lied about, don't deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet, don't look too good, nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Wow. I see echoes of God in here, although I don't know that this is inspired, nor would I suggest the same. I think God still leads us to say, we've got to stand out. We have to be lower lights. We can't run with the herd. Even if the herd's running to do a good thing, we have to keep our wits about us and remember Christ, not Christ and. Christ, above all, and in all, and now back to Hebrews 13. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. Let us then go out to where the bodies are burned rather than stay inside our comfort zones Bearing the disgrace he bore, for here we do not have an enduring city. It doesn't matter if we're disgraced by the world, we're just passing through the world. What do we care? We move on. 
We don't have an enduring city here. We have a city which is to come. And then verses 15, 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good. Be the nation. Do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Mark, would you bring your team on up? I'm going to navigate all of these while you do. Notice how smooth this is going. They don't even notice it's a transition. <laughs> they call me Dr. Smooth. Actually, they don't, but they should. I used to have a problem with the phrase sacrifice of praise because I didn't, I didn't get that. I like singing songs. It didn't seem to me to be a sacrifice. But later in life, when I found myself in the valley of the whale, it was harder to sing. And it was a sacrifice to sing, but I sang. I understood finally what it meant. We are called to lay aside all of our desires as well as all of our doubts, all of our anger, all of our fear, and praise the Lord. Would you stand please for the benediction? As Hebrews closes, now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Church, amen. <laughs>